So I bought Apple at the top right before their Q3 earnings, and people had a lot of things to say about it. And after earnings, Apple dropped 10%, and even more people have had fun dunking on me in the comments. But how did Apple actually perform, and has anything really changed in my thought process? In this episode of the Build, Invest, Live podcast, we'll revisit my investment in Apple, talk about their Q3 performance, as well as why I'm glad I had people telling me that I'm an idiot in the comments. We'll also do a portfolio earnings roundup on my other holdings that announced recently, namely Walmart. So let's get into it. So before we dive into Apple, let's just take a look at how my dividend growth portfolio has been performing. So the first thing you might notice is that a couple weeks ago, I shared with you my $227,000 portfolio. Well, today it's 223000 and some change. So just by that alone, you can see that the market's been down a bit over the past two weeks. So if we take a look at how my portfolio has been doing overall, when compared against the S&P 500, we're obviously underperforming, with the S&P being a little bit over 15% year-to-date, and my dividend growth portfolio being 8.38. And even though that probably looks bad on the surface, comparatively, it's actually slightly better than it was a couple weeks ago. When I initially shared this, the S&P was at 18.82% year-to-date, while my portfolio was at 10.52. So at that point, I was underperforming the S&P by over 8%, whereas today, I'm underperforming by less than 7%. Now, obviously, underperforming is underperforming, but I will take that little tick up, and it's likely mostly due to Valero, which we'll see here in a minute. And so if we take a look at my actual holdings, you can see that my Apple position is down over 9%, obviously, since I bought the top which we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But as you can see, my Valero position is actually up almost 20% since I started buying earlier in the year. So even though the market's been down over the last couple of weeks and my portfolio as well, at least that little uptick in Valero has helped bridge the gap a little bit between my dividend growth stocks and the S&P 500. Now, I have quite a bit of ways to go, but it is nice to see that that idea is actually working out pretty well. But now let's transition to an idea that maybe didn't work out so well. So a few weeks back, I told you guys that I bought Apple at the top right before Q3 earnings. It was around $194 at the time, and I posted a video about it, and a bunch of comments came up just like this. You're so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. And then Apple reported their Q3 earnings a couple days later, with overall Apple dropping about 10%. And at that point, even more people commented just to let me know how dumb I am. And now there's two specific thoughts about this that I wanted to share with you guys. So number one, the comments are fine, right? It comes with the territory of making videos, putting them out there for the public and sharing my portfolio, sharing my stock buys and sells. That just comes with the territory. That's just part of it. But I do really think that there's a good lesson in there, though, because comments like that don't just happen online. If you guys have ever had a conversation about money and investing with people in real life, a lot of times it's a similar situation. It's stuff like, Oh, you bought that stock? Oh, you're dumb. Oh, you're only getting 5% dividend yield? I can get that in a savings account so easy. Why are you buying stocks when you can 100x your money in crypto? Or you bought Apple last week? Oh, man, I knew they were going down. They're so overvalued. But the issue with comments like that is that it can prevent people from wanting to invest at all because it's human nature for us not wanting to be criticized by our peers, especially when it comes to something that maybe we're not very experienced in, like investing or learning about money. And so it prevents people from trying. It prevents people from asking questions so that they can learn about it and get better because they don't want to look like they're doing something dumb. Because ultimately, we're all self-conscious, at least to a point. And I touched on this in last week's podcast where we have to get to a place to where we just don't really care what other people's opinions are about 
what we're doing, and how we're building wealth. Because here's the reality. Most people just have opinions on these things. They're not actually putting their own money up. They're just out there judging other people. And even the ones who are actually investing, most of them aren't going to share what they're doing until after they know that it's successful. And then they'll come back and tell you that I told you so. But even then, most people are definitely not sharing any actual mistakes that they've made. And here's the point. The reason why they act that way is because they're insecure too. And how people cover up their insecurities is by going online and acting like they know more than someone else. That's all it is. Most folks who criticize you or who criticize me, they're still going to be criticizing someone else whenever you're on a beach somewhere enjoying your life. And ultimately, if that's your goal, then that's all that matters. Keep the main thing the main thing. And don't worry about anything else. So that's my first thought. And my second thought is my Apple thesis is completely unchanged. And if anything, it's actually reaffirmed after hearing their earnings report. Now, here's what I said in my last video. Here are the main reasons why I like Apple long term, even at these prices. So number one, Apple's migration to higher margin services revenue. Their ecosystem is so highly integrated and they have an extremely loyal brand following. And then lastly is the power that Apple's own chips that they've been creating gives them going forward, especially as it relates to AI. It would allow them to have the tightest and hopefully most seamless integration of AI features into the place where it can actually become a value add in our daily life. And now let's compare that to what they actually talked about in their earnings call. So Apple had all-time record revenue and services at $21.2 billion, an 8% year-over-year increase, which was better than expected. They have more than 1 billion paid subscriptions, and iPhone revenues were down 2% year-over-year, but their emerging market iPhone sales are hitting revenue records in places like India, Indonesia, Mexico, and the Philippines. And probably most importantly, their install base reached an all-time high across all geographic segments, driven by a June quarter record for iPhone switchers. And I actually talked about this in a Patreon post that I had a few weeks back. There was this article that was talking about the surge in Google phones, but buried in the headline was the fact that while iPhone shipments were down, iPhone actually gained market share up 55% of the market from 52%. And when you're an ecosystem company like Apple, being able to keep people into the ecosystem is the number one goal. So having a higher overall market share is more important than just having new iPhone sales. And just one example of how deep that ecosystem continues to go, Apple had $10 billion in deposits already for their high yield savings account attached to their Apple card. So just by assets alone, that would put them just outside the top 100 US banks by assets. But more importantly, this is a product that these customers literally cannot use without their Apple device. So they're not going anywhere. And in terms of AI, which I talked about in my original video, Tim Cook only made one comment, but it was a powerful one. And of course, uh, we've been doing research across a wide range of AI technologies, including generative AI for years. Uh, we're going to continue investing and innovating and responsibly advancing our products with these technologies with the goal of enriching people's lives. It's how do I make people's lives better with great features that happen to use that technology and keep people in the Apple ecosystem. So yeah, Apple's earnings call really just affirmed my original investment thesis. And as an investor, it's nice to know that the company that you're invested in is kind of looking at their future the same way that you are, or at least the same reason why you bought into them. And now ultimately you might be like, yeah, okay, sure, all that's fine. We know why you like Apple and it's a great business, but why did you buy at the top? Why didn't you just wait? And ultimately, the answer is really simple. I looked at this as there's three possible outcomes of what can happen after Apple announced earnings. 
Outcome number one, Apple could shoot up in price just like Amazon and Google did before them. And even though the overall market is down and Amazon and Google have come down, they're still higher than those pre-earnings levels. So investors that got in before earnings still have a nice little profit built in. Now, obviously, Amazon and Google weren't as run up as much as Apple was before earnings, but there was a chance that Apple would do the same thing. And the thought process was, if I got in before earnings, then at least I would have my position and away we go. Now, come number two is that the stock would really just stay flat and not really do anything substantial after earnings, either up or down. And in that case, buying earlier, buying late is basically the same if the stock's at about the same level. And then outcome number three, if the stock actually dipped after earnings, then obviously it would be unfortunate, but Apple's going to be a long-term hold for me, like a multi-year hold. So the exact price that I pay today isn't as important as my long-term investment thesis and my plan to hold over multiple years. And my thought process was, if it did actually dip, then it would give me an opportunity to buy some additional shares at a little bit lower price. And ultimately, that is what I did. A few days later, as Apple started to dip, I bought again around the $178 mark. And yes, it's kept on dipping, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, I've added to my position in the company that I believe in at a slightly lower entry price. And my overall price, although it was still high, is a little bit lower than it was at first. So those were the three possible outcomes that I looked at. And yeah, ultimately the most unfavorable one is what happened, but I was good with any of the three. And sometimes you guess right and sometimes you guess wrong. But hopefully in 10 years, we'll just be laughing about it all anyway. All right, so let's move on to Walmart. So Walmart was a stock that really didn't meet any of my criteria for operational performance or valuation when I bought it. And I talked about that in my original video for it. But I believed in the business and had a general thesis around what I thought they were going to do from an operations standpoint. And basically what I was looking for was Walmart's revenue growth to continue growing slightly more than normal, but income and free cash flow growing at a faster pace, which basically would result in either higher dividend growth and or share buybacks to return that free cash flow to investors. And that's something that I saw in the numbers and I also heard from their leadership team on their earnings calls. So Walmart just announced earnings as well, and the first thing that I want to look at when that happens is, is that story still intact? Is that actually what's happening? So if we look at the earnings recap for Walmart, they beat on earnings, and they beat on revenue. Their global ad business is up 35%, which is very good. Their revenue growth of 5.7% is decent, and their income growth of 6.7% is actually higher than revenues, which is what we want to see. Plus, their projected free cash flow growth is actually higher than both of those, which is exactly what I want to see. And obviously, this is something that they're actually focused on because they put it in their press release. And it's something that they talked about multiple times in their earnings call of wanting to grow income faster than sales. And so if we look how the stock has performed since earnings were announced, it did have an initial dip, but then the broader market is also down. And then it's just kind of been staying there. So there hasn't really been a significant change in terms of price at this point. But for me, I'm feeling good about it because the exact reason why I bought into Walmart is exactly what management's talking about in their earnings call. And that story is still basically happening the way that I expected it. And so what I need to do now is just continue monitoring each quarter as they talk about results, continue monitoring each press release or changes in their business to see if it matches up with that original idea that I had. 
Or if something changes in the story to where they're not really growing revenues or they're not growing income at that faster rate, or it's just not happening the way that I thought, then that's when it's time to revisit. But ultimately, I'm not going to overreact to share price going up or down or staying flat when the whole idea of why I invested is still there. So now that we're pretty much done with earnings season, how did you guys make out? Are your companies doing well? Or were there any that you actually had to change from because it didn't meet your expectations? Let me know down in the comments below. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Build Invest Live podcast. Hope you guys have a great day out there. Financial independence is true freedom. So keep building and stacking wins. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.